Hey everyone, this is Evan from Where the Mises Guys coming to bring you a little message that I think needs to be expressed um, succinctly here. So I'll do my best. We are a uh, podcast that has started from the ground up and I personally am someone who has loved Transformers all his life. They're important to me, the mythos, the toys, the, the whole legacy that's brought to my life. My friends on here all have their love as well. Boo, Andres, even Ed. Things come around. But if you could do us a huge favor, and if you're watching on YouTube, give us a thumbs up, you know, um, subscribe. That's huge. And, uh, you know, share, share the link with friends. And if you're listening on podcast, uh, give us a good review if you wouldn't mind. Um, and, you know, send us a message, whatever, you know, come to the Discord, whatever you want to do. We really enjoy doing this, but also we've come to really enjoy engagement with uh, fellow fans. And fellow people who just find the uh, podcast. So, and in closing, I want to say thanks for being here and, uh, you know, help us spread the message. All right. Thanks. Bye. Hey, everyone. Welcome to More Than Meets These Guys. This podcast is a journey through Transformers from the beginning of the comic book series, not the anime series this time, with two old friends coming at it from different perspectives. Together, we will go issue by issue with the occasional extra to look at how the show holds up or if it's a trap of nostalgia. We'll be looking at all things involved in the issue, whether there are real-world factors that crept in the writing or the issue was typical afternoon cart, well, afternoon comic book fodder. I'm Evan, <laughs> I'm the Lifelong fan. I'm actually joined with a bigger Lifelong fan, Boo, from the AxelonUnderground.net. So thanks for being here, Boo. How you hey, doing, man? That's code for bigger nerd, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly what it is. I was trying to be nice, man. Hey, there's nothing wrong with being a nerd. <laughs> I accept it. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I know anyone who's listened to us talk knows also how bad it is. Yeah, we had a few people tell us they have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> well, Once there's we a reason going. for that. <laughs> old. <laughs> it's like we're talking in code. <laughs> <laughs> My old friend uh, Scott, who um, Scott Johnner, who actually listens to the podcast every week, has his own podcast call from here to paternity which he, he gets on there with uh two other friends and they kind of drink beer and talk about nerdy stuff um i want to give him a shout out this week um he's been like I said he's he's one of our biggest proponents getting the word out there he uh he sent me a thing like he did an ai art thing with um <clears throat> with uh for like like i mock only fans uh page is like saying uh god let me let me find it because i want to get this wrong it was great um Let's see. It is, yeah, milkshake and the boys. Oh boy, <laughs> three. There's like three overweight nerds on there saying, "We will make you wish you were experiencing glorious lusciousness of the dad bod." We are four men with no dignity and willing to do anything for just an ounce of approval. We will. We also podcast and father about fatherhood and being men in this day and age. However, it doesn't pay shit. So we were doing unspeakable things for your amusement just to keep the lights on. I, that was fantastic. I'll send it to you later. It was. It was I, I oh yeah, I look forward to it. Yeah, yeah. Scott, Scott though, he's uh, he likes. I actually years ago um was playing D and D with him in a comic book shop, and I completely um you know forgot and stuff like that. And uh, Ed, you know, my usual co-host, not you, man. Um, he uh he said, hey, you know Scott, remember Scott? I'm like, man, vaguely, and he started like jogging my memory, and like, I like isn't he the guy I used to call butthead and he has his friend was Beavis. And he's like, yeah. Like, oh, I remember Scott. 
No, yeah, he's 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 good people though. Um, he wants to you know have me on there at some point and add on his podcast to talk about you know aging nerds in our lives as fathers and growing up and stuff. So it's pretty cool. Um, it was pretty cool to have him uh you know pipe in about a few things. So I just wanted to give him a shout out today about that and uh, say I appreciate him listening and getting that word out. So it's pretty cool. Anyways, man, we are on to issue number six of the UK comics. And this is the second half of issue number three of the US. And man, honestly, it's great. I I didn't know how much I would like Spider-Man in the Mm -hmm. comic because, you know, I've read certain issues over and over again. But mm-hmm. the early stuff, I haven't read it over and over again. So this is almost like revisiting something I haven't looked at in years. So it's kind of funny. Oh, yeah. When I was a kid, like, I had uh, issues two through six, like, for the longest time before I got into the others. So mm-hmm. I read these, like, over and over again. It took me forever to track down number one. <laughs> <laughs> Still, man, I, I got to say, the covers are just dynamite. They're f- Oh, so yeah. Cool. Well, and... About this cover, this was uh Mark Texiera. I know that name. You know him from Ghost Rider. He did like the the Dan Ketch Ghost Riders. Yeah, that, like really hit it off in the nineties. Yeah, he did this uh issues cover and issue four for the uh, American comic. That's so great, he did man. Three and four think, covers. Yeah, the uh, actually the um the cover for this is great. It's it's a completely different style because we've seen all these panda covers with kind of um toy um you know, toy loyal um, illustrations for the covers. And this yeah. one is, is, is more, I don't know. It's more like, I wouldn't say animation stock because Megatron's still in this, um, the, the black helmet, the early style, mm-hmm. but, uh, the, the Spider-Man and it's the, the, I don't know, the uh, more, I don't know, more, I wouldn't say painted cover look. It was more of the comic style cover. It's kind of nice. Well, it's funny because uh, Mark Texiera is a trained painter. He went to art school as a painter and got oh. into comic books, so he was. That's why it has that painterly look to it. It's nice, and like, and I, I, you know, full story, full disclosure, and I never really read Spider Man. I didn't really read Spider Man until the um, the Clone Saga, and then I read some. I have actually collected most of the Ultimate Spider Man. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I I didn't read these older issues, but I knew because it was like the hot thing to talk about on the playground when I was yeah. younger. The uh, the black suit Spider Man. One of the the first Spider-Man comics I actually got was, I want to say the second issue, he was back with the black costume. Yeah. Because I remember he was like fighting the Hobgoblin or Jack-O-Lantern or one of them. I remember there was like a sunken van he was trying to get to in his black costume. It's one of the first comics I remember buying. Like ever. Yeah. But uh, there was a little controversy about this uh, cover Mm -hmm. because until 2021, it was misattributed to Mike Zeck. Who was another prolific comic artist, and in 2021, Bob Budiansky straightened out that it was actually Mark Texiera who did this one. Nice. Which on the U.S. issue four cover, you can actually see Texiera's name on it. Oh, nice. But um, it, yeah, it's not obvious on here. The um, and, what is Mark Zeck known for? Uh, Mike Zeck, uh, he is known for he did a lot of Charlton comics. Oh wow! So a lot of the the horror comics and stuff. Yeah. Uh, let's see. He did, uh, Batman. He did, uh, let's see, the Kingdom Detective comics. Huh. 
He did stuff for Malibu. Uh, see, yeah, he did Spider Man, uh, like Amazing Spider Man, and let's see what else, man. Cap- a lot of Captain America comics. Uh, oh, he did the Logan's Run number six that had the Thanos like origin backup story. Oh, nice. Yeah, nice. and he's, he's he did some well of the said. Savage Sword of Conan stuff. So I love the Savage Sword. The, the the old Conan comics are fantastic. Yeah. That's fantastic. Okay, cool. And there's also another bit of controversy about Spider-Man in this issue. Really? Because Hasbro objected at first to having Spider-Man in here at all because they didn't have the license for the Secret Wars toys. Oh. Mattel did. And they didn't want to advertise for Mattel's toy line. So the Secret Wars toy line had the red and blue Spider-Man, the traditional spider-man costume so that's why uh they put the spin on well let's just do his new black costume then and they're like oh okay because there is no black costume spider-man in the secret wars toy line so that's what made marvel okay with it even though um that's actually where he got the uh, costume secret wars right yes yeah yeah he he got it towards the end but apparently it wasn't in the toy line that's actually kind of funny yeah the the, the most that actually to me the most um famous takeaway from secret wars was actually the black suit for spider-man so that's actually oh yeah i mean there's a lot of things that happened during that all that but the thing that i heard most about when i was a kid was uh the black suit spider-man yeah that was their big change yeah someone actually i remember someone said like you got this black marble out of the spaceship and it turned into a suit and i'm like what does that mean but yeah that actually we we learned you know obviously there's um when they brought in Venom, there was a little bit of a, I don't know, retcon a little bit about what it was. Right. Well, okay. and it, there was foreshadowing to that in Secret Wars, because when he first got it, when he first grabbed it, <laughs> his spider sense went off, which was warning him of danger, and then it went away. And then, like, it, the symbiote never uh, <laughs> triggered it ever again, which that That's... was, like, Venom's gimmick. That's funny, actually, because that's one of the things about Venom that's so good, and we we kind of lose lose sight of uh, what's really good about Venom because you know during the nineties we had the huge like crazy teeth Venom stuff, but originally that that's what the thing is uh, he he um he absorbed you know some of Peter Parker so therefore it never tr- triggered the um the Spidey sense again, and that's what yeah. was so dangerous about it. So really cool. Yeah. So. Uh... I thought that was pretty funny that they had to basically do a workaround for Hasbro to, <laughs> to get to use the the black costume. Man, so yeah, I <clears throat> I really like the whole dynamic of Spider-Man. I like I said I've read this in so many years, but going back and reading it as a uh, as an adult, knowing mm-hmm. like Spider-Man was. Spider-Man, it was just funny because the way that Deadpool is, Spider-Man was kind of the way Deadpool was, but Deadpool kind of took that to a next level where he would right. quip and he would say things all the time and, you know, almost like almost like, a, like an ADD um, superhero. Like he had to constantly say things. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, you know, um, it, it's it's no surprise that Deadpool's mask matches, uh, yeah, like a, 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 a change off of Spider-Man's mask. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can tell those those roots are there. 
So that, and it seems like his mouth is his primary weapon because usually, like yeah. all of his villains, like comments, like "Don't you ever shut up?" because it's distracting because yeah. he never shuts up the whole time he's fighting them. Which actually, once again, comes into this issue, man. The uh, he just just mouths off constantly to everyone, not just uh, not just Decepticons to Optimus Prime. He just he just talks and talks and talks, and I kind of enjoy that banter. Mm-hmm. But, uh, man, let's get into this. Um, All right. Ever... Oh, one last thing yeah. uh, about the U.S. cover. It ha- features gears in the corner box, which is like the only time a minor character graces the corner box. Everyone else in the corner boxes after this are leaders. Like Megatron and Optimus Prime and so on. Yeah. Fortress Maximus, uh, Grimlock. Oh, yeah. 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 And it, then, I mean, a... sometimes you'll have like some other, like, stuff but usually it's a leader and i kind of like that because it kind of shows prominence this is sort of gears issue to shine which you know if you look at the uh the american you know the classic series i i, I know it's g1 but to us it's the classic series before g2 came out uh, if you look at the classic series you know every major, major autobot had their their time to shine you know gears is changing gears um actually there's only a few that really didn't have a big episode to shine with like the wind charger didn't really have one mm-hmm. um you know um but it, most of the other autobots all had their episode you know mm-hmm. hoist um you know uh bumblebee of course was a major character cliff jumper had his major scenes hound all these sea spray freaking sea spray had his own episode but you know you didn't have wind charger who is you know always holds a place in my heart because he's my first right um, huffer so, too they they just like glossed over huffer well man the way they did Huffer in the cartoon, he was so bad. He was so, oh, yeah. so annoying. Well, that and it didn't seem like there's a lot of difference between Huffer and Gears, personality-wise. Yeah, Huffer had a like a more shrill voice. Yeah, Gears was just. Uh, I'm trying to play, place a um, an actor who he kind of reminded me of. Um, oh God, what was the older guy in Airwolf? Oh, uh, Ernest Borgnine. He had a very Ernest Borgnine like mannerism to him. Yeah, I was thinking that or like Ed Asner. That too, yeah, yeah. Which is actually kind of funny. I was listening to another another podcast because that's what I do when I work all day. Um, I was um, Wizard and the Bruiser. They're they're talking about um, um, do you remember the show Freakazoid? It came on WB. Yes. Ed Asner was a regular voice in that. Oh yeah. <laughs> he would they made a point because it was such a weird show. It was like this uh it was like classic Hollywood, very uh Jewish comedian style humor, mm-hmm. which I love. Um I, you know, Mel Brooks, huge fan here. And uh, Ed Asner had cameos in that show a lot. That yeah. was kind of cool too. But That's yeah, cool. it had that he had that kind of like that classic grump um, you know, so, sort of thing going on. So I always yeah. think of Ernest Ernest Borgenine. And Ernest, Ernest Borgnine was someone who showed up in so much of our youth. I know you as well as I, because you're a few years, years older than I am. And it was he was pretty, you know, constant in our in our youth between like made for TV movies, TV shows, yeah, and everything else. Yeah, he was <laughs> everywhere. Like he was a prolific character actor. He was. Uh, what was that one that um, Shatner was in, like Devil's Reign or something? That's MST3K movie. Oh, yeah. 
He was like this cult leader. Oh wow! I have to watch it. I think I missed that one. That's a good one. He he was in this like some kind of he was a member of a cult, and it was Ernest Borgnine. And every time I see that, it cracks me up because it was young William Shatner. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, he's he's in that. It's fantastic. We like I said, you know, all these all these Disney live action movies, Airwolf, all kinds of things. So yeah, I almost I get the feeling that. Um, you know, Huffer and, and uh, Gears were kind of that Ernest Borgnine or Ed Asner kind of motif going on. Right. Grumpy old men. Grumpy old, like, like us. Yes. Yeah. Oh, totally. <laughs> without, ah. with, yeah, exactly. Without the, uh, without the signature voice. Right. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> God. Um, so, Ben, the editor, whoever the, is the editor for this, these issues, and I'm a big fan of his. He is just like he's just he's just like riffing every episode or every issue. Like mm-hmm. someone like came in and the um something about the uh, he the guy the head of subscriptions came and stole his ravage off his desk and there's this whole hullabaloo about it. And oh, uh, yeah. you know, welcome to issue six. I I just kind of dig it. Um, that means they're playing with the toys while they're in at work. Exactly, which is really cool. It's a dream job. It is. It is. I always, I don't want to ever work in a cubicle. Um, But if I had to work in a cubicle, I would have my transformers around me, which I do currently right now. I I look at left, right, behind me, up there. I'm surrounded by things that make me happy. Yeah. And I think if I were working in a cubicle, I would do the same. I I see fans online post pictures like they're at their jobs and they'll have like the transformer of the day or the transformer of the week that they take to work with them. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. That's always awesome. And all that stuff is, uh, it you know, almost like, you know, I, I in a way, I, I at one point I kind of thought it was virtue signaling, saying, see, I'm a fan too. But in a way, you kind of realize that, no, these guys have probably some, some sort of a job that's just soul-sucking. So they bring something that brings them the joy. You know, like one of my favorites I always keep on the desk is uh, the uh, Siege Spinister. Mm-hmm. Is actually, nice he's figure. actually the first figure that got me back into collecting. That's like the best finisher ever made. Oh, he's fantastic. <laughs> I got all the upgrade kits and all the third-party stuff. Oh, nice. He's really good. I can't transform him to a helicopter to save my life. But <laughs> it was it's some weird transformation thing. With like, I looked at the instructions. I'm like, nah, I don't need those. But uh, Yeah, it's the old man creeping up on you. Man, it really is. Like, How do you transform <laughs> this, kids? I don't understand it. What, what kind of toy is this? It turns into a helicopter? But... <laughs> He, uh, honestly, I've seen the helicopter form, but he's actually one of those ones, like, he's almost like, he's almost an action master because he's so good as a figure. Mm-hmm. Even the helicopter blades lock into place, which, as a kid, working, trans- well, playing as Transformers, we never had helicopter blades that, that stuck in, in position. So, oh, yeah, yeah, they're always swinging around or spinning like when you're drooping yeah. on the bottom, like, you know, Springer's sword went bloop. But, yeah. um, you know, we had we had these things that we surround ourselves with. So it's kind of cool to see the editor talking about that too. I really enjoyed that. Well, the other thing about people bringing the transformers to work, you know how people like remind themselves why they're working, like they have a picture of their wife and kids or something like that. You know, trans <laughs> fans bring you know their transformers. Remember, I this is what I'm working for. More of these. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of figuring something like that, or they need something to fiddle with while they um they do stuff. Like I've got a little like. Um, spy changer scourge and i always have him on the desk because i, I just enjoy the character and i enjoy the little figure that it is 
So like whatever switches saying. out on the, on, the, on the desk, he's always there. Right? Someone to stand by us. Right. And in a way, I mean, yeah, you know, I think the uh, the editors, the the writers, the uh, subscription people, all these people have some sort of like vested interest in it, which is nice to see. Mm-hmm. It's almost it's almost you know humanizing for something that happened you know what forty years ago. I mean, these guys are probably you know in a in a in a assisted living at this point. But I'm enjoying um, you know, the fact that we have this connection. Well, that yeah. in, in the UK, especially, you can tell there was like a real love for Transformers as much as they did for the series. Like they added so many extra issues they that, did. you know, they they seem like they really got into the characters. They did. And um, I mean, that's for you, your um, your prolific writer like Simon Furman. Um, mm-hmm. we, we take him for granted now that he's he's written a lot of stuff for IDW. He's written things for, um, you know, later things for Marvel. He's 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 worked a lot in the stuff. And of course, he worked with Death's Head and everything else. But uh, we we, we kind of lose track of the fact that it was a phenomenon, and it was it feels almost like they try to make it as big as like uh, Doctor Who because Doctor Who, Death's Head, Transformers, they all kind of had the same kind of like um, flowing universe, right? So you realize how big it was for the uh, British crowd, which uh, anyone from Britain listening. You know, this is really fun, and I can't wait to read more of the issues. So I'm glad you're here. Yeah, it's nice to be able to go through these, like with a fine tooth comb, like we're doing. <laughs> it's almost <laughs> over the top, but uh, and of course, uh, this week we also have Autobots Fact File is Optimus Prime. Like last last week, we had a uh, Megatron, so this is almost you know we got an actual over. Autobot this time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was kind of cool to have an Optimus Prime, but uh, you know, and once again, the Mark Watts art. I really mm-hmm. dig the old style box art, the uh, text. Oh yeah. And uh, man, something else that really brings us home is at the bottom of the uh, first page, you have uh, these Knight Rider stunt playsets. Yes. Which uh, <clears throat> you pointed out to me were actually uh, taken from Dukes of Hazard. Yeah, it's just a, a remold and recolor of the Dukes of Hazard Barnbuster set, which is great. I remember the Dukes of Hazard set. I do not remember the Knight Rider set. Yeah, I didn't remember the Knight Rider set, but they put the commercials for the Dukes of Hazard set like all over TV, like what eighty three, eighty four. I mean, we are um, children of the South, so yeah, oh yeah, yeah. We, I guess uh, especially down here, they ran it. <laughs> I mean, come to think of it now, I live closer to where Hazard County was supposed to be. Oh, like, yeah. You're right up on it. East <laughs> Central Alabama, man. I'm right here by Hazard, the Hazard Boys. <laughs> where, you know, where's, where's Daisy Duke at? But um, the, um, yeah, so yeah, that was kind of cool seeing this, uh, this, this stuff. It was fun to see these sort of things from the 80s. These are almost relics that we forget about that came out. And, uh, you know, being, you know, being that we grew up in the South, Man, Hot Wheels and Matchbox cars, you know, we seeing a General Lee was pretty common. Yeah. It's probably probably a pretty popular um car down with uh with our growing up and stuff. Yeah, south of the Mason Dixon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, and uh, did yeah. you see the letter from Matthew Perkins? I whoa, I don't know if I did see that. What well, yeah, he didn't want Transformers to flop and wind up as like a secondary like feature in a comic like with spider-man so he didn't want to merge with spider-man comics which is like ironic because this is a issue with spider-man in it 
That's fantastic. Yeah, he didn't want it to become the machine man of some other comic. <laughs> <laughs> well, good good uh, news for you there, buddy. Machine Man's <laughs> terrible. Um, spoiler, I couldn't get through this episode, uh, this uh, issue of Machine Man either. Xanadu? <laughs> yeah. With Kubla Khan and everything, I just couldn't do it. I tried, man. It was terrible. Oh, yeah. We'll get to it. <laughs> I, Werewolf by Night is a better read than uh, than uh, Machine Man. Oh, yeah. Werewolf by Night would be more fun, I think. But Actually, it was well, kind of fun. I guess I was, they could work it in because he transforms. So. <laughs> I, <remember laughs> I know they were going for the read... robot theme, yeah. but yeah, maybe the change I was, uh, should be the theme. I was trying to find the uh, origin of Moon Knight because I got really into Moon Knight at one point. And it came across uh, Werewolf by Night where he showed up, and he was hired by some... Uh, I don't know, some firm, and he used only silver weapons, and it was whole thing with Moon and Werewolf, and I don't know, it was whole thing. I, I was like, I was reading Moon, uh, Werewolf by Night, and going, this, I, I should hate this. This is actually kind of fun. Yeah, so, I think the first time I really ran across Werewolf by Night was in the Marvel Comics Presents, where they yeah. would do like the small little short stories, for, you know, like a what variety was, thing. What was his name? It was ridiculous. Jack Russell. Jack Russell. Yeah. I was about to say, I cracked out because it's like a Jack Russell Terrier. Like, someone thought they were real clever. <laughs> God, Jack Russell. Oh, God. I remember. Oh, God. I read that. Like, I had to do a triple take on Jack Russell. Did No. Yeah. No. Yeah, they did. Anyways. Yeah. Go way off topic here. Um, so yeah, that was Jerry Conway and Mike Plug, based on a story by Roy Thomas and Gene Thomas. So nice. those four people are—it's their fault. He's named after a Jack Russell Terrier. That's fantastic. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, whenever I think I know a lot about uh, geekery in general, you always make sure you can up upstage me a little bit, which I appreciate. <laughs> I Unfortable. try. Unfortable. <laughs> really, everyone. Uh, i really like the uh the uh openers the uh the uh editor section you have a lot of uh, things like people are actively putting their addresses out there for pen belts they like they want some people to talk to it's kind of cool this is where the fandom started yeah it is exactly it was kind of what i was leading to but you you're right yeah this is where you know back when we um when i first met you was back in uh botcon 99 you know it was one of those things where a lot of the uh, fandom was fanzines and uh, like uh, message boards. Like I'm talking like, you know, dial up message boards, you know, ATT, that sort of thing. You, you, you didn't really, um, it was very, um, it was very, okay. To put it bluntly, it was a dial up communication, um, you know, sort of thing. This even predates that. Oh yeah. Pin palling. It's just kind of neat to see it. And well, I mean, even like what became the online uh, fandom for Transformers started in the letters pages, like the yep. the Transmasters and Transmasters UK and all that. That all started in the letters pages of these comics. Yeah. And I mean, as soon as you know the World Wide Web became available and the news groups, they immediately started gathering there. And I mean, if you look back, uh, you have people in the letters pages like Benson Yee and Leanne Elliott, like in the yep. letters pages. So. 
And I, I, I love that uh, Ben Yee's still around and that he's, he's such a positive influence. He's such a positive fan. And I, I love that he's still hanging out. And, uh, you know, pillar of the community. He really, honestly, if you want yeah. to have a, a, a good representation, a good um, ambassador of the community, Benson Yee is a great one. I'm a big fan of that guy. He's um it it we had man the nineties were really weird for the fandom even the early aughts, mm-hmm. and uh, he came out of it you know as really a positive influence. That's kind of nice. I like that. One of the few. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, know, you hear a lot about toxic fandom, and he's like the exact opposite of that. He was he was the guy who was trying to make everyone get along. It was I really appreciate that. And um yeah, there is there's a lot of toxic fandom. Every fandom has toxic fandom. The Benson Yee, uh, he's um. If you guys want to follow someone in the trans, uh, Transformers community on you know, Facebook, look up Benson Yee. He's a, a top-notch person. He's uh, he's great. Yeah, and, uh, got, uh, BWTF.com. Yeah, yeah. Uh, BeastWarsTransformers.com. Um, and if you um, if you go into the uh, Excellent Underground Facebook page, he usually posts there. So if you want to find him, just... Or I guess it's up. Ben's World Transformers now. Yes, <laughs> <guess> Ben's World. <laughs> yep. But no, like I said, he, he's one of the few people who, um, you know, I, I, I appreciate the fact that he kept a positive, very, um, you know, positive, non-toxic, um, you know, you know, kind of personality all these years. I appreciate yeah. that a lot about Ben. It it had to take some effort because <laughs> it really did. It, it's hard not to turn into gears after all the years. <laughs> like us. Yes. Like us. Just like us. I, I'm sorry, just thinking of the episode Changing Gears. I really hate all you guys. Well, I guess I'll go on to uh, blow up Megatron now. Or, you you know. monster, you made him nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what did you do to Gears? Uh, yeah. So how'd you like that recap where they give Sparkplug yet another nickname? Uh, hold on, they I missed call that. Him Sparks. <laughs> oh, Sparks. That's right, because it shows it shows up talking about that later. Yeah. So he is William Irving Sparkplug Sparks Witwicky. And don't forget Stanislaus Peter. God. <laughs> that's I can't. I can't remember that. That is too much, man. Stanislaus it's like he's Peter. a secret agent. He's got like all these different IDs. For... <laughs> <laughs> he, he's he he's like uh oh god. Um, trying to remember the uh, the serial killer who uh, got you know with the um, Tallahassee sorority house. Um, oh, was that Ted Bundy? Ted Bundy, yeah, yeah. Um, real quick, um, a short story for everyone on here. My dad worked um for uh, Tax Squad the night they caught Ted Bundy. He came home at like three a.m. and sat on the bed and talked to my mom, saying they caught this guy over over in uh, Brownsville, um, behind a restaurant, and uh, they had he has like. 20 IDs on him and they ran him down. They don't know who he is. Turns out it was Ted Bundy. Uh, Officer Lee found him that night and ran him down and tackled him. And uh, Ted Bundy actually said famously to uh, Officer Lee, if I'd known you were by yourself, I would have killed you because he was used to being around Denver where cops ran two to a car. But in Pensacola back in those days, they didn't do that. There was one, one cop. They went, they were, he was checking back doors of restaurants. That's how small the town Pensacola was. He was like the cop going, well, man, make sure the people locked up. And then he saw a um, a light, like light brown VW bug idling behind one of the restaurants. That's when he caught him. So 
Anyways, it's crazy. It's it's crazy how 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 it was such a chance to catch Ted Bundy. You he got was... one degree of separation from Ted Bundy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my dad like he was my dad was uh, working the uh, undercover uh, plain clothes division. Of course, he had his his cop mustache, so he really wasn't undercover. But um, <laughs> I mean, that was a time when yeah, the worst things that happened in, in Pensacola were um, fishermen pulling knives on Navy guys. At a uh, Cuda Brown, not Cuda Browns. Um, at um, oh God, what is that? Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna blank on the name of the uh, bar. Uh, it was a Navy bar that was downtown Pensacola. Oh man, I'm gonna okay. I'll think of it later probably. But it was this old old bar where all the fishermen would go and they get hammered and uh, the Navy guys would get hammered and they'd pull knives at each other and boats and stuff. It was bad. But that was the worst Pensacola had. And all of a sudden, they had a major serial killer stopped randomly in a like a like a poor part of town. And now it's all meth. <laughs> <laughs> well, meth and uh, hookers, yeah. Um, that goes hand you, in hand. <laughs> time, time, time of day you go through there. Um, some of the best Asian markets, though. I'll say that. Um, well, I'm sure what you know the sailors, the hookers are probably always there. They go to bed usually when the kids go to school. I know that from a friend of mine who lives over by that area. Oh wow! Yeah. All, all I can think of is that uh, the the GI Joe PSA parody was shipwrecked. Like my God, it's like looking in a mirror. Did your mother hang out at dockside <laughs> bars? Yeah, our, uh, my friends. I haven't talked to them since uh, I, I um, you know split up with my uh, ex wife uh, Lisa. She um, it was John and Audrey. They they um they had to find a house after Ivan Hurricane Ivan hit and it was hard to find a house so they ended up over there, um kind of going towards the bad side of town and uh you know John would say like yeah I go to work uh, he worked at you know, an art artisan steel um uh, manufacturing place he'd wave at the um at the hookers as they're going to bed <laughs> yeah but Very friendly. Uh, yeah yeah real 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 <laughs> nice uh, he's like hey hey girls I'll see you later. <laughs> Gotta go to work. Um, and anyways, so we like rambled on so much stuff about this, about this, but we, yeah, Sparky. Oh yeah, <laughs> good old Sparks. Good old Sparky. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love it all. So, yeah, I, I'm sorry. I put in my notes. Don't flop. Let her ask, and then not to let the comic flop. There's yeah, that. Own. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a guy giving cat puns also. Um, oh yeah, yeah. There. Full disclosure. Um, we we had I, I I had a lot going on. Ed had a lot going on. Boo had a lot going on. Um, so we were a little behind on catching up. So I I actually started going over this issue like I don't know a couple weeks ago and like cat puns. I don't even know what that's about, but it's in the letters column. So oh, I see from Paul Naylor. Yeah. Yes, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> so let's see. One of the cats was going away looking sad. Oh, they were eating his comic. Oh, God. Yeah. I don't hear the noise downstairs. Her two cats fighting and went down there and they're trying to eat his comic. So he's able to save his. Good luck. Yeah, his Transformers (laughs) comic from him. It was almost a catastrophe. (laughs) Ah. Yeah. Getting into the issue, Spider-Man comes across Gears. He thinks he's buddies with Skywarp, who's throwing a tank at reporters. Oh, yeah, because when we left off, Skywarp had just teleported out of sight of the jet. Yes. 
That's, yeah. that's true, actually. Then he just shows up and rips the wings off the jet. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's pretty brutal. I, actually, I really like the uh, Decepticons in these early uh, issues because they're pretty brutal. Yeah, they, they were they were really mean. They were never this mean in the Sunbow cartoon. <laughs> no, they were dumbs when they, they were in the Sunbow cartoon. I, I think probably in Megatron's Master Plan, which, you know, you guys just did that, uh, ep- those episodes. That's like the meanest we ever saw the Decepticons in the yeah, and honestly, first um, two the, seasons. The the Coneheads actually were the best in that that um two parter. Oh yeah, Dirge, Ramjet, and uh, Thrust. They were brutal in those episodes, but I mean, really, in Skywarp, you know, is my favorite color scheme of the original Jets. Mm-hmm. Starscream is my favorite character. Skywarp is my favorite color scheme. That black and purple looks really good. Yeah, that was one of my favorites. Looking at the old catalog as a kid, I yeah. really liked the the way it popped. And I always liked the the more magenta color they had on him with the nose cone that you didn't get in the actual toy. Yeah. Um, because it really popped. Actually, yeah, Thundercracker is <laughs> my least favorite, even though I actually like his character uh, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, He's yeah, got so... a great personality. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, Sorry, sorry, baby. You have a great personality, but I just don't like the way you look. Um <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so you know, you, you show Skywarp's just uh, just rampaging around. He throws a tank at at these uh, at these reporters, and um, you know, Spiderman goes to help. You know, thinking like I, I better stop this. And Gears, Gears, you know, like helps and catches it and so on. And um, he uses compressed air to gently land the tank. Mm-hmm. And then we have the whole exposition with um, um, him telling Spider-Man about the war, and um, you know he had, you know and all the kind of stuff that happened. He's like, I go to go tell Prime, and Spider-Man goes, "Who?" Um, and Spider-Man quoted Joan Rivers in the oh, beginning of that. Yeah, when he told him, you know, he says, "Can we talk?" That was Joan Rivers' little catchphrase. I don't remember that for her. That's when she first got her talk show, and that was her catchphrase: was, "Can we talk?" So he quoted Joan Rivers to Gears. Nice, a nice thanks catch there. I mean, I remember her talk show, but I don't remember that. That's kind of mm-hmm. cool. <laughs> so I, I love this. The army quickly is like, we're 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 a gunned here. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're leaving. <laughs> I don't think the the US military's ever had a quicker pullout. Uh man, it they're definitely not in the US military. We stayed there for 20 years. You hit me? Right. I was like, it's like 12 to 20 years minimum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so we go into the arc and like Ratchet is over here um trying to like, you know, kind of like, you know, um console Buster. And he says, like, you know, Optimus wouldn't want to endanger him. Like, you know, you can't go out there. Optimus doesn't want you out there. Man, where was this? Where was this when Spike got put into danger? Oh, yeah. It was complete opposite. It's like, Spike, get out in front of everybody. Hey, Spike, <laughs> can you go out there? I need something to shoot at. Um, yeah, so they're like, they're very big on protecting Buster, but it's a complete opposite of Spike. And I mean, I really enjoy the fact that um, I, you know, Buster is actually a, um, a very, almost feels like an Archie kind of name. Mm-hmm. But, um, I really like how they treated uh, Buster in the in the comics. Um, you know, of course, Spike came after the comics, so you know we really can't you know attribute it to even though like later on they kind of merged you know merging them into the uh, comic series and so on. But um, honestly, they were a lot better to, to to Buster than they ever were to Spike. 
they're better to humans in general. The Autobots were. They were more, at least Optimus was more concerned about, you know, humanity being in the path of their battle. Yeah. Than I think they ever really went into. I mean, there's a few times, you know, you'd have Optimus in the Sunbow cartoon go, oh, don't fire, there's people there. But, you know, it was never, don't fire, you know, there's Spike in the way. <laughs> Many times they fired right at Spike. There was the... um. <laughs> What was the episode where he goes on the sp- spikes on the space bridge? Is that countdown to oblivion? Yeah. Uh, transport to oblivion. Yeah. Transport. Yeah. Sorry. Transport to oblivion. He's in the freaking ship and like Optimus Prime's like, let me change the uh, my uh, my barrel of my gun so I can shoot precisely. I mean, he <laughs> shot at Spike. I you mean, know, maybe he should use that setting all the time though, for that kind <laughs> of precision, like critical. He rolled like a twenty on that one. He did. Thank God. That was, that was a critical <laughs> fail that would have ended the campaign. <laughs> so, man, so Spider-Man meets like all the rest of the Autobots and Optimus Prime does not care about, you know, his exploits. He doesn't want to hear about Spider-Man's, you know, exploits at all. Yeah. He just shuts impressed. him down. And so they, they, they formulate this plan to uh, drive into the area. <laughs> so, so, Picture this: There's a Peterbilt. There's a uh, there's a uh, Vietnam well Vietnam Korean War era Jeep. There's a there's a you know there's a um, oh god what is Cliff Jumper? He's a um, he's a Porsche. He's a Porsche. Yeah. You have Sunstreak. You have all these sports cars going Lamborghinis and, and everything. yeah. There's <laughs> Spider Man in the uh, in the Jeep saying like, "Pardon me, Sarge. The lieutenant gave me orders to return to the front line." And the 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 uh, the the um, army officers like. Dude, whatever. We're leaving. Good luck. And all he has is a helmet. He stole a helmet from some guy. And okay, his his alien costume that can turn into any kind of clothing <laughs> doesn't turn into anything. He's still <laughs> in the black costume with just an army helmet on. Yeah, pretty much. He, it's like, he, had, he had the ability to do anything he wanted. He's like, nah, but minimal effort. Yeah, they actually like featured that in you know the last comic that showed that his his costume could shape shift into regular clothes. Yeah, and he chose not to. <laughs> it's like finishing touches, nah, helmet. That's all I need. <laughs> I'm good, man. I'm good. Right. <laughs> and uh, he's over there singing, "Hi ho, hi ho, it's off to work we go." But the <laughs> army is still attacking the Autobots because they don't understand who's the bad guy here. Right. They just they... see giant robots and shoot. Yeah. This is whole scuffle going on, and uh, it's it's just it's kind of it's kind of chaotic, which uh, you know a battlefield is supposed to be. Well, and that's a recurring theme that runs throughout these comics: is that the U.S. military and the U.S. government never really recognizes that there's Autobots and Decepticons. There's a few times they come close, but it never cements. They're just they're all giant robots. Shoot them. I. I like to th- I like to imagine that uh, you know spark plugs uh, neighborhood where all the transformers got you know, transformed in front of them. They started like an online uh, online zine about like you know aliens among us. <laughs> it's they're seen as seen as crackpots while the uh, the official word of the military are like yeah they're all evil. But uh, <laughs> the real f and deal dot com. Also. Sunstreaker, who is finally drawn right, we're starting to get the Sunbow models perfect in this. Yeah, he marvels at how much of better warrior he is than Skywarp, and and Rumble's over here laughing at how the Autobots can't fly and have bad balance. This all this is going on, and uh, 
you know, the, the, this whole thing's going on. Uh, Braun runs up and just punches uh, Rumble, who, by the way, once again is red. Um, the uh, comics yeah, were they do the toy colors in the comics. They did. Yeah. And so everyone remembers that in the Sumbo show, uh, Rumble's blue, Frenzy's red in the uh, comics, and the toys, uh, Rumble's red, Frenzy's blue. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, the forty year controversy. <laughs> yeah, you know it's it just separated by continuity. In the yeah. in Sunbow, he's you know frenzy's red, and in the comics, he's red or blue. Sorry, you don't even yeah, know. Rumble's red. Yeah, I'm confused. <laughs> so yeah, there's some pretty big slugfests going on with everything. Um, oh, which... and Frenzy calls Rumble his brother. Yes, he does. He uh, yes. he he um, he comes to stand up for his brother by disrupting uh, the balance of uh, Braun. He like he uses his like sound waves to like mess up the equilibrium in Braun. Yeah, he uses his... his actual power, not you know copycat Rumble powers. Yeah, which is kind of cool. Um, and it's kind of a touching moment. And he's like uh, bending out and checking all on, on, on the battlefield, which you know you, you get it. Like once again in, in the comic, you get a different sense. There's there's more time on the uh in the in the issue rather than in an episode well and they they feature their special abilities almost like it's you know an x-men comic where oh. everybody gets to feature their their powers at some point i mean whereas actually, you didn't get a lot of that you got some of it here and there in the sunbow cartoon but yeah. here they really focus on it actually it's a really way to put it i mean they were they kind of treated them as a metallic you know robot x-men mm-hmm. so that's that's kind of cool actually it's a good way to look at it and you know, bronze power is he he's strong and he punches. So, you know, he, he's like right. Colossus. So, you know, we, we move on. Um Spider-Man and Gears go into the back door of the uh Autobot, you know, Castle Ravenloft or the uh Slipknot Castle Ravenloft. <laughs> and the you know, Spider-Man's quipping on his way in and he, Gears remarks that Spider-Man reminds him of Blue Streak, that he likes the sound of his own voice. Oh yeah, he thinks he talks too much. <laughs> Which I, I love that man. This this is a great like um it's a great way to like kind of bring it home. That's pretty what, spot on too. It is hundred percent. Blue Streak has a character. The reason, you know, a lot of people, you know, like they think it has to do with the uh the car and stuff. Blue Streak yeah, was all that because he talked to Blue Streak. He never shut up. Yeah. So, you know, this is kind of cool to see that mission there because once again, we're talking about personalities and we're talking about powers and we're talking about the different different aspects of the different Transformers. So it was kind of cool. But we get to the point where we have to subscribe to the Transformers. There are two ads on the splash page. And, you know, once again, we uh, you, you get the idea that they're planning on Transformers going far beyond the uh, miniseries. So... You know, almost like they, they feel like this is uh, this is something worthwhile to um, you know kind of get behind. And you know, really, if you if you think about it, I mean the um, the guys who are uh, doing this, they they like where you mentioned earlier, they they have the toys on the desk. They're very invested. And they're pretty proud of the product. So maybe they knew something we didn't know. Yeah, they they were definitely pushing the subscriptions. Yeah. For eleven pounds, shoot. That's, that's <laughs> well, considering the time, yeah. I mean, that's when uh, comics were like what seventy-five cents. Yeah, I think. Yeah, that's pretty appropriate. Well, I think oh. they were mainly sixty, seventy-five was for the, like the deluxe editions. Yeah, actually, you know, yeah. 
Oh, back when comics weren't three ninety nine a piece. Ugh. Mm-hmm. With, with seventeen covers. So you got to collect every cover. Oh yeah. Thanks, Dreamwave. Appreciate right. it. And dealing with that with Void Rivals and the new Image comics. <laughs> yeah, and then reprints you get all new covers, so you got to collect those all too. They look great on the wall. They do. They do. So we're reminded once again that the Autobots have like low power levels because Gears' power goes out and he starts to fall. I don't know what he was doing. If he's climbing a sheer cliff, he's just like, power's going out. Got to fall. <laughs> Spider-Man's like, what's going on? Gears. And so he shoots Webb at, at him. And, you know, we, we know that, um, we know now that he's uh, he has the symbiote um, so his webs are stronger. His he's stronger. Period. So he uh, he starts grabbing gears and pulling them up. But he's like he's even gears is too heavy for him to really deal. Luckily, gears kind of comes to and is able to um, kind of you know start climbing the uh, cliff sides. They could have made this an energizer commercial. Oh man! <laughs> right time for or like that. the the Puttermans. Remember the Puttermans commercials with the the robot people with the Duracell batteries in their I back. Do. I do. They, like the plastic this could have been one of those. Yeah, this could have been one of them. I really could have been actually. <laughs> uh, they were really talk about um, um, uncanny valley. Oh, totally. They they were capitalizing on that. <laughs> they were way ahead of the time. So yeah, we have a little uh, we have a little panel of uh, Megatron coming up and uh, you know talking to um, you know to Spike Sparkplug. Sparkplug calls Megatron Bullethead and tells him he's done making the fuel. He's like, all right, done you what you want. He's got like blueprints rolled down on a desk and everything. It's I, I apparently Sparkplug can add now um a chemist to his uh journeyman um, you know. Yeah, he's, he's got almost as many jobs as Sunbow Sparkplug. <laughs> he does. He, he's a man of many talents. He does. But uh then we, you know, we have um Spider-Man and uh, Gears finally climb over the like the little wall going into the uh, the clip. The, I guess the um my clip the uh, balcony of the uh, of Decepticon Castle Ravenloft. I'm going to call from there from now on because that's what it looks like for the, the patio. It really is. It's like <laughs> let's, let's go on the uh, let's let's go on the uh, the the hot tub deck. Right. <laughs> the grotto. <laughs> the grotto. There you go. <laughs> Oh, uh, so yeah, the uh, they infiltrate, but Megatron is like I guess he's it doesn't really say out out outwardly. He's uh he's alerted by Soundwave, and the only way you know that's because like no one can get past Soundwave, not even the weakest signal. Yeah, I that or I think they accidentally drew Megatron for Soundwave because it says my be. sensors detect an Autobot intruder. That could be. I, I think that was an error there. Well, then, you know, because, you know, obviously Soundwave season the first, so that could really be, and they seem to surprise Megatron, so it actually could really well be. Yeah, that they misdrew Megatron in that panel. Yeah, but I love this, though, because uh, Gears and Spider-Man, you know, Spider-Man has these little things where he's bouncing around, he's, like, jumping from wall to wall, mm -hmm. and they're running through there, and man, the, I kind of like, really like Frenzy and Rumble in this, because Frenzy's carrying Rumble like he's his fallen brother, he's going to go take care of him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Spider-Man goes and shoots Web and trips him up, and Gears like kind of like you know beats him up. Like, dude, the guy's down. He's taking care of his brother. Leave him alone, old grump. <laughs> that, that's some dirty play right there. <laughs> it is. 
but um you know their their uh, their cassette brother ravage shows up and ravage he comes out of nowhere he's like you know <laughs> spider-man goes i thought i saw a put cat you know like the um tweety bird the tweety bird yeah yeah but honestly ravage kind of shows that he's he's pretty impressed by spider-man he's like he's you know he's almost as agile as i am he's he's you know not usual not usual human so. Oh no, that was Spider Man said that about Ravage. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah, but I think Ravage says that after this, he's he's kind of he's impressed by um, Spider Man's ability to move around. Yeah, yeah, he says he's unlike anything he's seen before. Yeah, but we go right into the uh, robot roundup. Oh yeah, I- I'm really starting to enjoy these robot roundups. They're kind of I was cool. kind of I was iffy about them at first. Yeah. But yeah, the more we dive into them, yeah, there's some good stuff in here. It actually reminds me, um, back in the uh, early '80s, my my brother had a uh, book sale at his uh, at his high like, middle school or something like, maybe high school. No, it's probably middle mm-hmm. school. Had this like old, almost like sci-fi inspired, what we're expecting in the future, you know, like um, giant robot things to like clear cut forests and you know, um, robot assistants and robot butlers and things like that. It was, I always loved that book. It was, it was really, it aged badly, but I enjoyed the, <laughs> uh, the concept of it. Because here we have, the guys talking about having uh, robot guide dogs, which yeah. mentions canine from Doctor Who, you know, like move over canine, or new over canine. Yeah. And um, this guy is, has invented a, uh, a little, like a robot dog. And uh, then there also he talks about how in uh, I think it's Japan they've uh, they've worked on they're working on robot guide dogs for uh, you know people who need them. So that was actually kind of cool. Yeah, I don't know. You know the way they've had trouble with the automatic cars and stuff. I don't know if I'd want to be led around by robots. <laughs> <laughs> but man, I have to prompt you with this because I discovered the cringiest cringiest um 80s metal um video which is saying a lot including a certain robot so please you i know you've done a deep deep dive so please carry on oh yeah well they get into you know music in this uh issue Uh, i guess music using robots and you know they mentioned dd jackson's automatic lover (laughs) which i don't recall that song at all vaguely yeah, and then uh, it made me think of Egyptian Lover when I saw the title, but I know it's not related <laughs> at all. But uh, then they mentioned a Northern California band called Y&T that have a robot named Rock. So he's Rock the Robot. Okay, so Y&T stands for Yesterday and Today, which was a reference to a Beatles song. And they were originally a cover band that formed in 1972, and around that time they released two studio albums. Then they shortened their name to Y&T in 1981, inspired by their fans who would chant at the encore, Y&T, Y&T. And they released several more albums under that name on like A&M Records and Geffen, among other labels. And they played shows with Journey, Queen, Kiss, Alice Cooper, Dio, Iron Maiden, Motley Crue. Ozzy, Twisted Sister, ZZ Top, ACDC, and like tons of other like, wow, like major metal bands and rock bands, and they were actually part of the 1984 Monsters of Rock tour. No joke. Yeah. So, 
<laughs> we seem like we're just now like running into Y&T, but they were well established by then. I just I don't know how we missed them. I mean, they you sound know? like something you would you'd see at the county fair. Yeah, because <laughs> I mean they're they're definitely like hair party metal. Yeah, yeah. And Dr Pepper uh, licensed one of their songs titled "She's a Liar" for their ad campaign in the eighties. Uh, and then, like the the video you saw, "Summertime Girls" was in heavy rotation on MTV. So I'm guessing it was like daytime MTV because I was more like a Headbangers Ball guy. Me too. But but it was used in the movie Real Genius and on Baywatch repeatedly. The guy dresses like he's in Baywatch. Yeah, and I mean it makes sense because, like you said, that that video was such cheesy '80s beach, you know, fodder. You know, it was almost like a, a a knockoff of David Lee Roth's California Girls. It was, and man, those shorts are way too short. Oh yeah, oh man, yeah. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> that was some fast times at Ridgemont High action going on. <laughs> that was bad. Yeah, man, I gotta say, one of my favorite cringiest moments of uh, Summertime Girls is when there's the old guy using the metal detector. It says heavy metal detector on the uh, oh yeah the, and he goes he, he hits uh, something on the sand and he like attaches the, the guy's wristband he comes out of the uh, sand he throws off the metal detector because it's a heavy metal detector and runs off to join the rest of the band and he literally digs up a band member with the heavy metal detector because the dude <laughs> is so metal <laughs> it's so metal he found yeah. it in the sand so, okay, they had a documentary that came out about this band in 2019 called Y&T On With The Show. Okay, and in the special features of the documentary about the band Anvil, which came out a few years back too, I don't know if you remember that, uh, in the special features, Lars Ulrich credits Y&T as the reason why he became a musician. So we have Y&T to blame for that? Yes, <laughs> I mean, to, to thank and to blame, it's like a bittersweet thing, you know? Yeah. I mean, Metallica brought us a lot of great stuff, and Lars Ulrich is a douche. But, yeah. uh, oh, wait, there's more, though. Oh, okay, by all means. But wait, okay, we, we're getting to rock the robot now, okay, which is the whole focus why he's even in here. He so was good. actually like a rubber costume person who became like the band's mascot. He was featured on like some of the album covers. And then, you know, he's very prominent in the, the Summertime Girls video. Uh, he was actually usually performed by John Nyman, who also provided background vocals and rhythm guitars for the band. And he looked a bit like the the comic and toy version of Blaster in the face, but his body was like a metal caped superhero from the neck down that looked like he came out of a guar show. It does. Even the way he yeah. moves, because the way he, oh. like, he's walking... It looks like they were they're wearing those uh, those big uh, um, you know press foam like costumes. Oh yeah, he looks kind of like uh, Sawborg Destructo the he way he does. Was. Yeah. Oh god, he does. But the band produced twelve studio albums, one EP, six live albums, all between nineteen seventy six and twenty twenty two. Twenty twenty two, they're still playing. They're still rocking, <laughs> and they have a huge fan base. My God! If anyone yeah. listening is a huge YT fan, I'm sorry, I had no idea. Yeah, yeah, they they have a huge following still. So, uh, yeah, it, they, they're like the the biggest band we never heard of. <laughs> it's like the glam metal version of uh, Iron Maiden. Yeah. So yeah, that that's what I have on YT. But yeah, that was a, a rabbit hole to go down, and you know, 
their videos were kind of fun. They had kind of a twisted sister flavor in some of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they they like to feature, you know, nerds getting bullied. And, you know, like in <laughs> one of them, the nerd turns into Rock the Robot. Nice. Yeah. And like he tries to, there's a girl that he wants to date, but she goes out with a jock instead. He ends up saving her when he's in his guise as Rock the Robot. And she rejects him when she sees him because, you know, he's an ugly robot. And he cries like a, a like a mercury tear <laughs> at the end of the video. God, I, I wanted to show that to my wife, the episode, the uh, video, but it was like, hey, can we get it to play on the TV? But I'll get that. I'll eventually get her to watch that. Yeah. The, um, I, I, I love that Summertime in Girls video. The uh, lead singer's wearing like a crop top sh- uh, t-shirt and like a pair of tiny like orange uh, Baywatch shorts. Oh yeah, the, like the half shirts from the 80s. Yes, with yeah. turbo on it. You had to have great abs in the 80s. You yeah, know. <laughs> dude. There's a there's a point where he's like like at an outside carnival kind of thing, like a beach, you know, carnival. He's throwing softballs at like the the clown mouth, and he like can't hit it, so he pulls out a rocket launcher. <laughs> it's it's well, so ridiculous. And that's what Lars said, like attracted him to music. He said these guys look like they're having a blast at everything they did. They were having fun. They did, and they they that shows through. It and, does. And- yeah, apparently they all had a lot of problems with drugs. So no, I can't imagine why. Yeah, um, <laughs> it was the eighties. Yeah, these eighties. I, I love also the um, the kind of the I don't know the bully women the 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 um, summertime girls in the uh, in the leather and the um, SMA oh yeah gear. the punk girls the punk girls yeah they're, they're, there's a great scene where they're they're playing volleyball with the uh, the the you know the hot girls or whatever the beach yeah and the hard the, bodies. The, yeah, the, the the punk girls catch the volleyball and pop it. And like they're ruining all the fun. But at the end, they realize that the punk girls are great and they like you know, she they help them up and they go off together. They wind then, up uh, as the Y and T groupies. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And the rock is running back, you know, out there with his huge sunglasses on. He's, he's doing chasing his, like, the chicks. Yeah. Yeah, he, he's like falling in line. <laughs> and there's like the, some chick that looks like she's a robot. Kind of like she's painted she up. Does. She's yeah. got like a weird hat on. She's got like a, you know, makeup, like a bronzer. Like or like makeup. Makeup. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, he's chasing her. <laughs> so even Rock found a girl on the beach. Good on a rock. I'm sure you ran into summertime girls growing up in Pensacola. Yeah, actually that whole, if that, if that sand was white, because the, 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 the sand on Pensacola beach is like sugar white. So if that sand were white, it could have looked, that could have been like the, uh, the pier at Pensacola. <laughs> that's how that that whole thing looked we would we play volleyball at flounders when i was younger behind on the other side of the, of the, of the beach and uh yeah that was a whole that was a whole like mood that the video yeah see i grew up near galveston so we didn't really have the the summertime you know love affair thing going because you know the sand is brown the water's brown there's blobs of oil washing up on the beach <laughs> and <Yeah>. jellyfish <laughs> We don't so, allow that in Florida. We're on the wrong side of the Mississippi for that. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Oh, and we have a real-world prediction that follows this up. Okay. Shinichi Mizuno, uh, a robot artist in Tokyo, predicted that robot actors will replace human ones. And that's mirroring, you know, the controversy right now with the, the SAG-AFTRA strike. <laughs> 
yeah, they, about they, having AI likenesses replace actors or studios using their likenesses in AI without you know paying them properly for it. Well, I mean, she 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 actually looks like a she looks like a young Rita Repulsa with those the eye makeup and stuff. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and then you know we've got James Earl Jones now is going to be you know basically run by AI from now on. Because really? you know he yeah he retired and had his voice copied, so Disney could always use him as Darth Vader's voice. Nice. Yeah. So I mean, really, he's gonna be AI from here on out, mm-hmm. but he's probably gonna get residuals for that, which good on him. Yeah, he he made some deal with them on it, and I think that's kind of what set this off is when he did that. Yeah. Like, then all the other studios are like, oh well, why can't we do that for everyone? And they're like, um, that's not in our contracts. and yeah you know actors and performers should absolutely be paid for their likeness and voice rights of course regardless if it's ai using it or not so yeah and um you know the whole idea that um they're yeah they're going to be replaced is it's not really true i mean you know ai is is capable to a point but the, you know it doesn't have as much of the um uh, the ad libbing and the, you know, the inflections. So you know it's going to be a thing where I'm sure James Earl Jones's voice is going to be yeah you know, pantomimed, I guess, or they just, it's going to be mimicked. But it's not going to be. It's probably never going to be as good as him delivering the lines. So, it, it's getting better though. I've seen some videos yeah. where they were doing a report about you know the AI voice acting. Uh-huh. And halfway through, he reveals that the the report so far has just been AI. It hasn't really been him. Huh. And it was it was kind of surprising because it was well done. You you could notice it. And then he did notice it. He points out that the inflections were slightly different than what he gave, yeah. but it was good enough where they could run with it and fool you know the viewer. Huh. And yeah, it's only going to get better. So. Do you remember the episode? Of, I know you do of South Park, where like it was Chef's Goodbye, where he's part of the uh, Nambla crew. Oh yeah, I remember. That. They took they, they took uh, sound bites from all the different uh, things he recorded and made like, it gave him his dialogue. Oh yeah, that was just using sound clips. It, if you listen, it's it's pretty easy to tell that it's it's the inflections are off. So yeah, it was like an Arnold Schwarzenegger soundboard. It really was. Yeah, but um. I think if they can take that and smooth it out, I mean, anything. Well, possible. with the, the current programs, they, they need about one minute of you speaking for it to start imitating you. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. And like I said, you know, how technology goes, it's only going to get better. So, you know, the, the actors fighting for, you know, these rights for it, you know, it, it matters because yeah. that is really advancing quickly. And, you know, I, I I would be worried about it too, especially like for voice acting, especially. Yeah. I mean, but once they work out their deals where they're actually getting paid for their likenesses and their voices, yeah, I I think we're going to see a lot more of this because that's really what it's about is actually getting paid for, you know, your contribution. So what you're telling me is we are approaching faster and faster towards the holodeck. Oh, absolutely. Well, you think Perfect. about what they're doing with AI art, you tell it what you want, and it generates it for you. It's just like what they were doing with the holodeck. So you know, Barclay's fantasy uh, life is coming more and more possible. Yes, totally. <laughs> I was telling uh, telling Alice about the uh, the episodes of both Barclay and his uh, his 
almost like medieval like robin hood kind of um fantasy thing with um with um oh god the ship's counselor troy troy yeah and uh <laughs> and how um how Riker was the uh, the kind of the village idiot yeah wasn't he short too yeah he was yeah he was short and doesn't show she goes well you know your height is intimidating to some and then she's like the goddess of wisdom or something yeah <laughs> like our goddess of empathy <laughs> so we'll be able to do that soon what you're saying perfect uh well i don't know how soon we'll get the holograms but yeah we're oh, we're yeah. getting close to that at least movie wise oh yeah troy we're coming but you know and the good side of this though <laughs> is you know we could always have you know peter cullen as optimus prime forever if they work and say yeah and you know we could have frank welker's voice for megatron you know if you're a big g1 fan which i mean don't misunderstand me i really appreciate um um david k's megatron i really appreciate oh god what's the the name of the actor who plays the uh the hound oh uh rory mccann yes i really appreciate his megatron Frank Welker just has that that's that sound, that gravelly sound that I appreciate. And Peter Cullen always has that all oh, that 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 um that Boy Scout Marine kind of like the sound, which like, you know, slash John Wayne that I really appreciate about Optimus Prime. So Yeah. You know. Well, I would really like to always see David K as Beast Wars Megatron. Man, hundred percent. David K for one thing, you know, if if, if people haven't seen my interview with David K. Let me tell you, he is as good as you would hope as a meeting him in real life. He is a fan of uh, voice acting. He is such a good, nice, generous person. And I worked on that interview for a long time to get him to, you know, be able to, you know, show up. And he was so generous. I, I honestly, he's he's such a nice person. He's very approachable. Oh yeah, and all the Beast Wars voice cast were like top notch. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> Scott McNeil. It was always a, a favorite too. Venus Terzo, she was so nice. She yeah. was very patient with the uh with the uh fans. Um God, uh, Alec Willows. <laughs> was, I heard he was a lot of fun. He was <laughs> a blast. Um he was a little pissed off that that Trace got taken out of the show, but um his his um uh, just having him there was so nice. Um uh, Jim Byrne, who was, you know, Inferno. Mm -hmm. God, he was he was a blast. All these people, they're just honestly a lot of fun to talk to and a lot of fun to uh, deal with. And, I mean, I mean a lot of I met some of the uh, older voice actors, Michael Bell, who play, you know, Swoop, Prowl. Um, is he Scavenger? Scrapper? Uh he was Scrapper, yeah. Scrapper, yes. Yeah. Um, he, but he's also one of these voices that you always know from our 80s cartoons growing up. He is such a funny guy. He has every dirty story you could hope for. Um, um, you know, um, you have uh Dan Gilvezen who played um Bumblebee, also a lot of different voices you love. He is a genuinely nice person. Mm -hmm. it, it is, he is a, so so good. I, I love meeting him. I, I got him to sign a sign his book for my son. Mm -hmm. which, I mean, in retrospect, it's probably probably for me. Yeah, but uh, 
you know, these, these white actors, they love hearing that you, you are fans of theirs and they love knowing that you follow them all these, or all these years. So, oh, yeah, Paul Eiding and Greg Berger, too, are Paul like, Eiding. they, they mm-hmm. love their fans. Greg Berger is fantastic. Paul Eiding is so nice. I, I love that Paul Eiding got it like a, almost like a second life with Ben 10 mm-hmm. playing uh, the, the grandpa. Um, they're they're just fantastic. They they love their fans. They love interacting with their fans. And and um, when I when I got to meet uh, David K, I actually got to meet the um. Oh God, I'm forgetting his name. The 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 uh, voice actor for um Squidward. I'm blanking on his name right now. Oh. He, David K, was a fanboy for him. He was like even like he's meeting one of his heroes. And just seeing that, you know, the fact that David K was a fan also of someone else that we could interact with. He had such a great time. These, these people are just, they're in the business of, um, of acting and people discount voice acting. It's not really acting. A lot of people do that. It's not true. These people are putting forth every effort they can to be amazing. And they are. Yeah. They Roger Bumpus. Bumpus. Yes. Yeah. He was fantastic. He was funny. Yeah. God, I have I've recorded that whole like interview section. And he was out of this world funny. Um the, the woman who plays um uh Amy on Futurama. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, she's funny. Um they're 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 all like it's almost like this fraternity slash sorority of um of people who appreciate all the other uh, talents and there's enough uh, air in the room for everyone. We got to meet um I'm I'm gonna blank on all these names right now. The guy who played um um Pinky from Pinky the Brain, he played Arthur from the Tick. He um oh god, I feel terrible not knowing the the his name right now. He was such a genuinely nice person. Um Yeah, it's Rob Paulson. Rob Paulson, yes. God, he's been to so many things. Um Rachel Marsh, he he was fantastic. All these people, they are in this this like almost this like this silent, quiet um, fraternity slash sorority, whatever you want to call it. That they appreciate everyone's talents, and I love that about that. Um, they they are all the favorites of each other. They're all fans of each other. Rob Which, Paulson, he was slingshot on Transformers. Oh God, he was. Yeah. Wow. Wait, wait, Rob Paulson. Yeah. Wow. I gotta go. I, I can't get into season two and season three here. Come on, Ed. We gotta get going, man. Um <laughs> Rob Paulson is one of the hands down nicest, most genuine people you will meet. He uh, he looked at my, my wife and I and said, I can tell you're in love. It's so nice to see that. And it's it's just it was a genuinely nice thing. He's also in a lot of VeggieTales. If you have kids who watch VeggieTales, he's in mm-hmm. that as well. He's done so many things. His voice is so iconic. But yeah, if, if everyone ever likes the old uh, Fox, you know, the Tick cartoon series, he plays mm-hmm. Arthur. I didn't even realize that until I was like, go back and watch a scene from uh, the Tick recently. Like, mm-hmm. oh my God, it's Rob Paulson. Yeah, he was also Air Raid. So he was two of the aerial bots. Well, he's that good. Yeah. Um, I actually, we got we got to meet the um, the voice actors for Batman, the animated series. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. Um, and it was so nice. The, uh, the, the, the guy who plays the commissioner Gordon, he said mm-hmm. the same kind of thing about me and my wife. He's like, I can tell it's so nice to see people in love and people who are so nice. and so genuine. Like it was just, it's just like, 
it was heartfelt. We uh, meet the actress who played um, Poison Ivy, who also played the Baroness. Mm-hmm. Um, she was so nice. Um, Kevin Conroy, I, I wish I, you know, I wish I'd gotten a picture more with him before he passed. Yeah. He was fantastic. So these voice actors, they give their heart and soul to these voices. It's really nice to see them that they're recognized. Yeah. And, and yeah, Conroy is like the definitive animated Batman voice. He is. And yeah. he was. And and um, I was so, so happy to meet him. And I met a lot of people when like working with uh, the Pensacon, which I have done a lot of years with. Um, I met a lot of people from the Power Rangers, Balkan Skull in real life as people are funny. They are Balkan Skull. They're fantastic. They are ultimate improv people. Um, you know, these people you meet, I met, um, you know, um, Jeffrey Coombs, mm-hmm. and Aaron Eisenberg, who played, um, who played Wei Yoon on Deep Space Nine and played uh, Nog on Deep Space Nine. Um, I felt so bad. Aaron, Aaron Eisenberg says, uh, you know, I, I said, get a picture. And he, Aaron Eisenberg kind of walked off. He's like, okay. Like, no, I went with both of you guys. He he realized that uh, Wei Yoon um, or Jeffrey Coombs was so um, much of a um, of a presence that he didn't really compare. But like, no, I wanted a picture of both of them. And it's one of those pictures I will always keep and treasure. Uh, Jeffrey Coombs, of course, played Ratchet in Transformers Prime. Yes. He was, he's also, you know, in Reanimator. He's in a lot of... Uh, the well, and he's movies. prolific in Star Trek because he played so many different characters. He, they just slapped some makeup on him and he's the... He was a um, bad guy. What was uh what was his name in um in Enterprise? Pink Pinkskin. Um Shran. Shran. Yeah. He was but he was seriously such a nice guy and so thankful to have fans. Mm-hmm. So when you, whenever you think you're bothering these people at conventions, you're not. They it's like validation for all the hard work they do. So, you know, you don't feel like you're bothering these people. Tell them how much you appreciate them, how much you appreciate the work. They love to hear it. And I, I, I still try to keep in touch with David Kay here and there, and he's such a nice person. I hope to, I hope to talk and interview other voice actors in the coming future, but um, it's it's such a um, great, you know, um, almost like a like a subculture of these voice actors, and they they love the um, the the praise. So oh yeah. Anyway, sorry we went in the way on a tangent on that. Wait, that's a, uh, I guess unscripted, uh, deep dive there. We didn't plan it on is, that one. <laughs> uh, that's why I do a lot of things with Pensacon, and I'm thankful yeah. to be able to do that because I, I work hard and I do a lot of uh, research on different people, and I've got to meet a lot of great people, including one of my favorite authors, Jim Butcher. Um, you do a lot of uh, you do a lot of work, and you do a lot of effort, and you um, you're able to work with some of these people. And um, actually, it's one of the reasons why I started the podcast because I realized I liked. Um, you know, leading panels, or I liked um, discussing things with people, and like I, I feel like I'm, you know, just like any other fan. I just got an opportunity to do something cool, and um, you know, everyone can have the opportunity. Is just you know, you know, when you realize it, it's really nice. Yeah, but man, sorry, <laughs> like so deep, deep, uh, unscripted deep dive, going back to the comic. Yes. <laughs> which the whole reason we're here there's a comic what <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> man so bravage has a lot of respect for spider-man he, even though he'd avoided his charge like uh, ravage has this charge like he tries to jump at uh spider-man and spider-man with the spider sense jumps out of the way yeah 
But uh, and that that really is that's like Spider Man's secondary weapon besides his mouth. It's his ability to avoid danger. It is people, you know, they they kind of they they don't realize what Spider Man's about. Spider Man's not really an offensive uh, character. He's more of a defensive character, and it, it, his his greatest asset is his mouth. Yeah, and really, he should never talk about his spider sense because I would never let anybody know I had that. They would just oh, no wonder joke. why I dodged every bullet they shot at me. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's coming. Right. Uh, it's kind of cool, though. Uh, there's this whole respect between Ravage and Spider-Man. Because we saw in the uh, before the uh, robot roundup break uh, that Spider-Man yes. knows how, how good Ravage is. And Ravage knows how good Spider-Man is. Yeah, it's but like a mutual respect this... between the, the two all-black characters. <laughs> yes. They're like the, the ninjas. It's like a... <laughs> A Snake Eyes episode. <laughs> Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow. Right. And, uh, you know, but Be- Gears comes up and smacks him. He just punches him and they move on. <laughs> oh, yeah. I like how Gears just like Kool-Aid man through a door. <laughs> oh, yeah. Bam. <laughs> and he's gone. Yeah. <laughs> but keeps going. <laughs> he does. But the cool thing here, now we, we end up, which I think you're talking about the uh, the flub with the, uh, have Megatron there with like sensing uh, the Autobots or the yeah. uh, Gears and Soundwave or Gears and Spider-Man. Um, they, they end up with like seeing Soundwave. But because Spider-Man knows how to trash talk and it kind of throws um, Soundwave and, uh, excuse me, Pardon me. <clears throat> Soundwave goes down a lot easier than you know expected. Like mm-hmm. <clears throat> Spider-Man goes and like he's just trash talking to him and Soundwave's like, what's going on here? And Gears and just goes and beats him up pretty much. And oh yeah, you know, Gears just lays him out. He does. Gears apparently is like brawn light here. Yeah. And so they go into the next room. It's almost like a platform game where you're going to the, you know, fight in the sub bosses and then you come up to the boss and uh, they, they come up on spark plug and Megatron. And I love this man. Um, Spider-Man wraps up Megatron and he's like, yeah, I got Bazooka Joe all wrapped up, which once again is a timestamp because, you know, not to sound like a 40 or 40, almost actually tomorrow, 46 year old guy. Bazooka Joe is something that people nowadays would really recognize, but we have those Bazooka Joe comics and the in gum, the, uh, the gum wrappers, yeah, and even some of the old comics. Yeah, little like well, those are old when we were young. They were. I mean, this was like pre boomer stuff, hundred <laughs> percent. So Megatron like wraps up Bazooka Joe Megatron, <laughs> but uh, man, Megatron breaks out and he is pissed. So he like goes goes on this like rant and raving like he shoots the floor out from under Gears and Spider Man. Gears falls and Spider Man falls, you know, kind of falls through with him and like shoots a web, tries to catch him and Spark Plug. And uh, you know, Spider Man's like, you know, you way too heavy with the momentum that Gears is falling with. Like you know, you're talking about probably you know velocity with weight. Yeah, the momentum. The momentum just carries him in, like it breaks the uh, the spider uh, the web, but he grabs spark plug and saves him. <clears throat> so and, you and know, Gears does the wily e. coyote fall. He does. You almost <laughs> expect here, like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> goofy. <laughs> yeah, you should do the goofy yell. Yeah, the um. So 
you know, they, they goes and, you know, the uh, Autobots are kind of retrieving all the parts of Gears. And Spider-Man's kind of perplexed and like, why can't he be so heartless? But uh, Optimus oh, kind of yeah, says... because they're all like, well, we picked up everything that's left of him. You know, they're very yeah. matter-of-fact about it. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Optimus and... kind of like, tries to, like, tries to quickly say to Spider-Man, you don't really understand our concept of life. Yeah. And um, so they all go back to the Ark. Spider-Man gushes at the Ark while Buster's reunited with his dad. And Buster looks like he's like 14 here. And they drew him like a lot younger looking than he was before. <clears throat> But he has this whole reunite re- reunion with um with Sparkplug and I'm sorry, William Irving Sparky Sparkplug. What was the other Stanislaus name? Stanislaus Peter. Thank you. <laughs> and um, Sparks. Yes. Uh, so, but yeah, Optimus Prime tries to uh, to, to kind of explain the concept of death amongst Transformers. He's like, well, he's not really dead. He's just he's in pieces, but we'll be able to bring him back. This is the earliest reference to what is called now stasis lock yeah essentially you're exactly yeah. right they, yeah. they really became a thing when like beast wars they they named it like that right but, yeah they finally labeled it yeah i mean you know uh in the the comics you always saw like transformers were dying but they always came back that's because of this yeah and look how tiny optimus's head is <laughs> when he's talking to spider-man he really is uh the, the the perspective is way off i, I, I wrote yeah. that down but and um, ratchet is in his sunbow model with his uh treaded platform so it's like they've got a combination of the two here yep which yeah. is kind of nice um but gears comes around and he's like he they bring back the life he they bring back the minimal support and he's, like, he's basically like saying like megatron's got what he needs from the human and buster turns to spark plug is like say it ain't so dead yeah <laughs> Saying so, Joe. <laughs> no, you didn't give that to Megatron, did you? <laughs> and uh, Spider-Man name dropped uh, Reed Richards and the Fantastic Four. Yep, saying that yeah, they'd probably love to get a hold of the tech inside the Ark. Yeah, exactly. And once again, you know, you yeah that 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 uh that tie back to um you know Marvel different Marvel comics, and we talked to uh. Tim, um, who's on the Discord, brought up the idea of like maybe it's Fing Fang Foom, but Godzilla is actually a Marvel property back at that point, right? So, um, they would, and like, I think that's because they were doing the Shogun Warriors comics as well. That's and Shogun right. Warriors had that Godzilla toy that came with it, so I think maybe it was all tied in with that. That's right, because it's around that same time. Yeah, so uh, that's kind of cool. They all these this the wild world of uh, comic franchise properties that that uh, you know were like a thing at that point. Oh yeah, and you know DC was doing you know the Masters of the Universe comics at this time, and they came up with the whole Prince Adam concept it was just like a, a play oh. off of you know Shazam. I, I can see that actually now. I, yeah, I never realized that. I can see that completely. Yeah, because you know he's a young kid that turns into the big muscular superhero. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, man, that's the end of this issue, but uh, we go on to a word puzzle. Ah, yes. Th- this was an interesting one because the the clues didn't really give you the spots for it. <laughs> you just you had actually, to... you did the word puzzle and I completely like, I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll do that later. Oh yeah, <laughs> I had I had to do it. And it, it was tricky, but once you started like figuring out where the, the words fit, uh-huh. I went. I found the longest word in there, 
and then found the longest spot and built from there. That's the way to do it. That's <laughs> yeah. completely like doing a crossword. That's where you do it. Yeah. And uh, I'll I'll put that picture on the um, on the YouTube for people who want to see the word puzzle was. Oh yeah, it, all, like, there's all the answers. So yeah, if you, don't if you cheat. want to do it yourself, <laughs> you know, check it out afterwards. Yes, yeah, spoiler um, alert. <laughs> there's also a Captain Britain ad, of but of course there is. Oh yeah, you know Captain Captain Britain was um you know, kind of the Captain America of Britain. We'll put it that way. So yeah, of course they're going to advertise that. Um, which is kind Psylocke's of cool. brother. Was it really? I don't remember. Yeah, that. He, he's Psylocke's brother. Well, there or you go. Psylocke's his sister. Yeah, and he's in his newer costume here. I guess at the time. Yeah. The, around this time, you know, they started rebranding. Everybody like Wolverine got a new costume. Spider Man got a new costume. Yeah. You know, Hulk became gray. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So this is Captain Britain's like later costume. Nice. And so we have another Machine Man comic featuring Kublai Khan. Oh, yeah. And this and is another one from Wolfman and Ditko. I tried again. I started reading it like, this is this is awful. Yeah, I, I, I'm mainly going through it for, you know, Ditko's art. Yeah, it was, actually, the art's pretty good. Yeah. Really enjoy well, it. Well, his inks are so strong. Yeah. So actually, it, it, they really are. Yeah. And there's so, nothing, nothing wrong with the coloring in this. The coloring's good. The ink's good. Just the story. I I I want to care about Aaron slash Machine Man, but I just don't. Yeah, it, it's hard to. <laughs> it's really hard to. I can't imagine why he only like featured as the B reel on um on Transformers comics. Right, he's the flop. <laughs> he is the <laughs> flop. Yes, he is. Yeah. Um, so, so I, they're basically putting him through trials and, you know, kind of testing him out. And I just, <laughs> I tried, man. I really did. I wanted to like it. I'm yeah. Sure. I like how they're testing his abilities, like dropping an elevator on. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to such a trope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's going to, he's going to do his, uh, his dynamut self and use his extendo legs and stuff. Oh yeah, well you know, going from TV and cartoons and comics, you'd think that like elevators would have been outlawed a long time ago because everybody almost dies in the elevator. You're not wrong. These stories. You're not wrong. Um, but yeah, going past that, I mean, by the way, the name of the issue is Xanadu. Um, for your Rush fans and for your um for your Olivia Newton John fans. Um. And then they advertise that after that, the uh, at, yeah, the Transformers Christmas issue, which includes a message from Hasbro, the um, or is it noted the the maker of the Transformers toys, Hasbro. Mm-hmm. So yeah, maybe we'll figure, figure that out in the next issue, or when it's coming up here. But uh, then well, you have and the, the Xanadu thing is a reference to Samuel Taylor Coleridge's poem about Kublai Khan. Which actually, if you listen to the Rush song, you'll hear, you'll understand that reference too. Yeah. Which I love that song actually. Really cool, actually. Yeah. So it's a deep literary dive there. And comics like to work those back in, especially back in the day, they would always try to work in the literary references. Okay. Now I I get a little set song tomorrow when I'm working. uh, (laughs) But, uh, and after all that, um, we have another issue of Matt and the Cat. Which what we're kind of it's like kind of playing off the last issue where um he's like wondering like what happened to 
was a hump. Yeah, hump. Like Humph. Humphrey. Yeah, hump the cat. Yeah. And he's like, oh, forget the sound. He goes outside. And there's a robot standing there going through the dustbins. I'm like, well, nope, not dealing with that. And like, hump is in the in the uh, trash can, and well, sorry, the dustbin. Yes, you, uh, British fans. Um, yeah, it was just, I don't know. It's like, well, okay, we're not messing with that, and uh, that's kind of how it is. Yeah, he asked politely to for him to return his cat. Yeah. So I know you said earlier you didn't finish the Machine Man comic. Like it's hard to get through. Yeah, I but tried. The second half, they get him drunk. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna have to try that out now. Yeah, they uh, slip him a drink that oh. is, I want to say, 190 proof liquor, like straight. Good God. Yeah. So I think they're trying to kill him. They're not trying to just get him drunk. They're trying to kill him. <laughs> Dude. And, and it affects his gyroscopes and he passes out. Well, yeah, it's like being hammered. Okay. Right. And You've he wakes up 19 hours later. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah. They so did try dude, to kill him. Yeah, dude is throwed. We we so, uh we've all been there. Oh man. 190 proof though. Man, you know is, is, is Everclear even that I think yes. Everclear is like 180, isn't it? Nope. Or, um, depends on where you, which state you go to, you can have 190 proof. Wow, that's uh, that's some hard hitting stuff there. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think you begin like, like like Louisiana, Mississippi. I don't know about here in Alabama, you can, but uh, I know you can. Yeah, that, that's some it. moonshine. That's some. Yeah, distilled. that's just straight up uh, yeah. isopropyl. Right. <laughs> oh, I forgot to mention. Um, actually, in the middle of uh, somewhere in this issue, also there is a Transformers keyboard competition. Oh yes. You have to like take the two pictures. It's like the highlights, um, um, like activity books we had in like yeah. Find office. the differences between the two pictures. Yeah. It's like the um the, the picture where um Spider Man's going through like, hey Sarge, we got orders. We're gonna you know go through kind of thing. And there's two pictures. You have to notice the differences in between the two. Which once again, everyone, if um you would like to do the puzzle on your own, um, Boo has given forth all the uh clues to figure it out he's basically answer sheet hide your eyes <laughs> avert your eyes if you don't want to know <laughs> but if you solve the puzzle you can send in for a um for a um a, a keyboard i'm gonna i'll obviously put it on the episode too you can go forth for this keyboard which in the 80s keyboards and synthesizers were like the thing and uh once again you have like a really cool contest. These British comics love contests. They do. They love giving away stuff. And yeah, I don't think we've got anything close. Yeah, I, I'm always impressed every time I see like two or three of these giveaways. It's like, I wish we had these kind of giveaways in our comics. They always wanted us to buy stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We, or we had like x-ray, x-ray glasses or uh, a hostess um, comic strip. Right, and it was always like a waste of money on half the stuff you'd buy from the comics, you know. Or they wanted you to sell grit. Grit, I don't remember that. Remember that magazine they wanted kids to pedal door to door? Oh, yeah. And, oh, you know, if you wow. sold so much, you could get like a, a bike reflector or something like that. Yeah. You know? oh, a jacket. Yeah. Thanks, Reagan. Right, yeah. It's like it was <laughs> child labor and, you know, poorly made products for your money when – in England, you know, oh wow, here's free transformers and keyboards. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. 
Hades um, capitalism at its best. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Man, that's that's kind of ridiculous. But you know, here we are. Right. Um. Yeah. So, so yeah. So we're left hanging with Machine Man as uh, Kublai Khan wants to transfer his mind into Machine Man's body if he passes all the tests. Okay. But the thing is, is all these tests are like designed to kill Machine Man. So if Machine Man gets through all of it, then how's he going to put his mind in him? Because he hasn't been able to defeat him. They're all aimed at defeating him. And if he defeats him, which would be easy to subdue him and put his mind in, then he doesn't want him. So it's like yeah. Khan has set himself up to fail no matter what. <laughs> it's and not a very good plan. It's like they're going to roofie uh, Machine Man next. Oh, yeah. Well, that actually worked. But <laughs> that was his, his co-workers at the insurance company that did that. <laughs> because they're jealous of him he, he's kind of aloof towards them at work so they have an office party and they they don't even spike his drink because there was no punch in that drink and it leaves off with uh he's getting hit by a remote control wrecking ball and then flying junk cars with laser blasting headlights come out <laughs> god that is such a dumpster fire of a comic yeah, it is all over the place. <laughs> and I mean, who has a remote control wrecking ball? That's like Well, you don't? Yeah, I know, right? That yeah, that is, is such I guess that that's comic book yeah. villain tech. Well, mine's right over there actually. Oh, I, lucky. I keep, in, I keep it in the bathroom of the office. Man, to to live like the other half does. I know. I know. <laughs> One day, man, you'll understand. One day I I'll, I'll be there. One day you will get it big and have a, a popular podcast. Wait. wait, wait. When I do, actually, too, I'll do that. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, th this is like Venture Brothers, like, you know, League of Calamitous Intent or Kill the Calamitous Intent is. stuff. Maybe yeah, if I look at it that way, it's going to be a better issue. If I read it like it's like a really bad villain for Kill the Calamitous Intent, I'll enjoy oh, it. Oh, yeah. It, if you look at it, you know, comically, it's a, a bit easier to stomach. If I, re if I, if I read it like it's a tick villain or a guild villain, Maybe I'll enjoy it a lot more. Well, and this was the kind of stuff that inspired those because they were just r ridiculous villains. Yeah. You know, with, That's yeah, their, their little, I guess, bargain basement James Bond villain weapons. <laughs> you got to imagine what Jackson Public and Doc Hammer looked at like when they're growing up. Must be oh, yeah. Stuff. Good stuff. So that's where we're left off with Machine Man uh, on a cliffhanger with junk cars with laser <laughs> headlights. Perfect. All right. Yeah. Well, we are going to pick this up next week with issue number seven. So we are yes. uh, approaching the last two issues of the original American miniseries slash right. miniseries. So I'm kind of excited to go past number eight, see where we end up. Oh, yeah. Then you reach the uncharted territory. It really will be. It was something I have never read. So uh, I'll be enjoying Well, I haven't read it up until like things like Target 2006 and stuff. So, yeah, everybody's picked up. Well, I won't say everybody, but, you know, those are the ones you go for, like the, the big name compilations that yeah. you could pick up. But there's a lot of smaller stories throughout the series that, you know, filled in gaps in, in the overall arc. And you had character arcs for characters that didn't really get featured that well in the U.S. comic or the cartoon. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually really interested to see that. So, um, also depending on what uh, you know, 
kind of characters they like glom onto with his stories. It's gonna be really kind of cool. So I'm really mm-hmm. looking forward to that. That's gonna be fun. Yeah, I'm looking yeah, forward definitely. to it too. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening or watching or whatever you're doing. Be sure to um, you know, if you wouldn't mind, give us a little, you know, you know, nice star review or uh thumbs up on YouTube. Share with your friends, share with your mother, share with your father, share with your kids whoever you want to share it with that we'd appreciate all the help and uh get your enemies to read machine man (laughs) (laughs) i'll give up instantly (laughs) the ultimate weapon (laughs) (laughs) and uh listen to more y and t yeah (laughs) send that to your enemies too (laughs) oh god i i i can legitimately say um watching a video by myself on youtube I cringe so much I almost turned it off, but it was well worth it by the end. I can see why it really got used in Baywatch a lot because it, it kind of had that Hasselhoff field to it. So Oh yeah. man, it did. God. Yeah. I really gotta check that out now. All right, everyone. Thanks <laughs> so much for being here tonight. Thanks for Boo for being here for another issue of UK Marvel series. Bye, and everybody. Yeah, have a great week. I'll talk to y'all later. Bye. More the Mises Guys is performed by Evan Johns and Ed Strickland. Research is performed by Evan Johns, Ed Strickland, and with special research done by Boo of the AxelonUnderground.net. All used images in the videos are property of Sunbow, Hasbro, Paramount, or Marvel. And as always, thank you so much for tuning in every week with us. We appreciate it.